those of you, those of you who know me know that technology is not um, very good with me. Or I'm not very good with technology. I'm sure the technology is fine. But anyway, there we go. <laughs> Ah, so thank you very much, Lizzie. Um, what are you expecting this morning? What are you expecting this morning? <laughs> Sorry, you don't have to answer that out loud, but I've just realised how much I have actually missed being here. We've not been here for three weeks. I do appreciate that one of those weeks um, there, there was no meeting here. Um, but it just when we started worshipping this morning, just started to sing, uh, I just felt at home. There was something about uh, just being together, worshipping together. You know, there are hundreds of thousands of people probably around the world at the moment who would love just to, to sort of be in this sort of setting. They're believers, but they have no access to... Um, uh, to be able to meet like this for one reason or another. So uh, I'm just so pleased that I've been reminded this morning of, of the preciousness of God's family, of you people uh, here. We are God's people together. And as we've been worshipping, we haven't actually switched off from worship. Um, it carries on all the way through, just so you know. <laughs> it's going to carry on for a few more minutes because I believe God has got an expectation in his heart for each one of us this morning. I don't know what that is, but the Holy Spirit knows what is in your heart. And we were singing these uh, lovely songs about the, the names of Jesus. and I, I, I couldn't count the number of different names, but there would have been probably two, three dozen maybe. And uh, there's dozens more names of Jesus just to declaring who God is. For example, I mean, there was another one. He's the promise keeper. And um, just reminded John 3.16, a great promise for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Now, that sounds a pretty good promise to me. <laughs> He keeps that promise. So if you're not a believer here this morning, if you, if you don't follow Jesus, then that is a promise for you, that you can know peace in your heart from the confusion and everything around us that you hear and know that he is our Prince of Peace. He is uh, Alpha, our Omega. He is the promise keeper. He is a person who will keep his promise so anyway, there we go. Let's just pray. I just want to pray a bit more. Holy Spirit, I just want to ask that you'll just come and continue to minister into our hearts. Holy Spirit, help us not to resist your gentle touch upon our lives, upon our hearts. Just help us, Lord, to hear what you're saying to us through your spirit. Lord, I pray that your words may fall on good ground in our hearts, that the seeds that are sown, that have already been sown in the worship, as we've been singing to you, 
might just continue as we listen to your word now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yes, so I'm speaking about the uh, Jesus feeding the 5,000. And um, if you've been a, a Christian or a follower of Jesus for any length of time, this story is probably one that you could almost repeat uh, verbatim, in other words, almost word for word, because you probably read it or, or listened to it. <clears throat> but I just believe this morning um, that, that God wants to instill and build our faith up together, or individually, uh, and as a church together. He wants us to, to grasp hold afresh of, his, uh, of the faith that he offers us and his grace um, that he can do what we cannot do. So uh, I'm actually going to read from Mark chapter 6, and I haven't got an um, a overhead, no PowerPoint today. I apologize for that. If you like to follow everything on PowerPoint, please forgive me. Um, but if you do have a Bible, it's Mark chapter 6 and verses 30 to 44. This story actually is in all four of the Gospels. And in each one, although the, the story is essentially the same, there are different little bits in it um, that I'll be bringing out. Um, but we haven't got time to actually uh, read uh, all of them. But I am going to read Mark chapter 6, verse 30 to 44. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw him leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. And when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time, it was late in the day, so the disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, well, that would take eight months of a man's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have? He asked. Go and see. And when they found out, they said five and two fish. And then Jesus directed to have them, all the people sit down in groups on the green grass so they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples to set before the people. He also divided the two fish amongst them all. They all ate and were satisfied and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of men who had eaten was about 5,000. I'm actually going to read that passage in a different translation now called The Message, which is a more uh, up-to-date um, 
translation. And this is what it says. The apostles then rendezvoused with Jesus and reported on all that they had done and taught. And Jesus said, come off by yourselves. Take, let's take a break and get a little rest. For there was constant coming and going. They didn't even have time to eat. So they got into the boat and went off to a remote place by themselves. Someone saw them going and word got around. From the surrounding towns, people went out on foot running and got there ahead of him. And when Jesus arrived, he saw this huge crowd. At the sight of them, his heart broke. Like sheep with no shepherd, they were. He went right on to work teaching them. And when the disciples thought this had gone on long enough, it was now quite late in the day, they interrupted, we're a long way out in the country and it's very late. Pronounce a benediction and send these folks off so that they can get some supper. And Jesus said, you do it. Fix supper for them. That's not what they wanted to hear. They, that's not in the, this translation, that's my word. They replied, are you serious? You want us to go and spend a fortune on food for their supper? But he was quite serious. How many loaves of bread do you have? Take an inventory. That didn't take long. Five, they said, and two fish. And Jesus got up, uh, got them all to sit down in groups of 50 and 100. They looked like a patchwork quilt of wild flowers spread out on the green grass. He took the five loaves and two fish, lifted his head, his face to heaven, in prayer, blessed, broke, and gave the bread to his disciples, and the disciples, in turn, gave it to the people. He did the same with the fish. They all ate their fill, and the disciples gathered 12 basketfuls of leftover. More than 5,000 were at the supper. Just by way of background, um, if you look at the various Gospels, there's various different stories and things that happened immediately prior to this. But just to give a little resume for those who, who like to know what happened before this particular event and the context in which uh, Jesus fed these people. It had been a busy time for Jesus. Uh, lots of people had been coming and going. It says people have been coming and going. And uh, they wanted to hear him. They'd seen his miracles. They'd seen his healings. They wanted to see these mighty works of God that, uh, that he had been performing. But he had also had some very sad news that his cousin John, who we know as John the Baptist, had just been executed. So his own emotions and feelings uh, must have been very torn. And we actually read that when he saw the crowd, his heart broke. And that is what the heart of God is when he sees us without hope. His heart breaks for us. And uh, so that is a, a little bit of uh, background there. He, Jesus also just sent the disciples away on a mission trip. And um, he, they'd preached the kingdom of God in the surrounding villages. And the disciples wanted to have a debrief session and tell Jesus everything that had got on. But there wasn't time. There wasn't even enough time to eat, it just seemed like everyone wanted a rest. And Jesus says in verses 30 and 31, let's just come and take some time aside. Let's take uh, a time uh, in a quiet place and have some rest. But the crowd had other ideas, as we read. And Jesus, we read in verses 32 to 34, he had compassion. 
on them. So that is the background. And um, this morning, my aim is twofold. First of all, it's to look at this event uh, from the viewpoint of four people or groups of people, uh, their responses to the situation they found themselves in <clears throat> and see what they said and did is actually very similar to how we might respond today when facing seemingly impossible situations. The relevance of this passage is extraordinary. But we will also be looking at uh, what might stop us from responding uh, and, uh, to the voice of Jesus and the questions that he might be asking of you and me today. So there are, the first one is verse 35 to 36. By this time it was late in the day, so the disciples came to him. This is a remote place and it is already very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. And so here's the first response, and maybe you can identify with this, and it's this. Don't just complain about the situation. Don't just complain about the situation, because that's what the disciples were. They'd started to uh, complain. They're, I sense there's a little bit of frustration here. They'd had um, a busy time, and um, for those who have been in church leadership or uh, any sort of responsibility in church, sometimes it feels that way. You know, we just want some rest. <laughs> we just want a little bit of time to ourselves because the, the demands on our time are, are so strong. And, and you've got this sense here in the message translation, when the, his disciples thought that this had gone on long enough. Have you said that? yourself <laughs> it's gone on long enough you know Jesus it's gone on long enough you know <laughs> I'm out um, you count me out um, just pronounce a benediction and let's get these people's off our these people off our back and let them go and get some supper and uh, that was not what they wanted to hear from Jesus that he said to them, you fix it, <laughs> you fix it. Uh, I love reading this guy, Phil Moore, and um, he's done a Straight to the Heart series of right the way through the Bible. They're not commentaries, but they are, as it says, bite-sized insights into uh, different books and people in the Bibles and characters. And, um, he, so if, if you're looking for something that is devotional but also brings a challenge, and it is a challenge, so it comes with a danger warning. If you want to be challenged, that's fine. If you don't want to be challenged, then don't take me up on this. But seriously, um, this guy, he says this, Mark, uh, Fillmore says this of, uh, of this passage. The favourite or a favourite trick or deception of the devil is that he would rather have us complain that we only have five loaves and two fish than to have us offer our weakness to Jesus and let him turn it into strength. It was logical for them to step back and tell the crowd to find food for themselves. But faith, <clears throat> listen to this, but faith must triumph over logic if we are to see kingdom growth. 
And if you want a title besides Jesus feeding the 5,000, is this, faith must triumph over logic. Now, I'm not saying that all logic is bad because we are given minds by God and, uh, and, and to think logically. But even in that uh, logic, the, the, the enemy of our soul, Satan, wants to deceive us. It's, it's, it's a deception of the devil and that he would say to you, well, logic wins over faith. We've got 5,000 people to feed here. Um, there's no way we can do that. So let's just get out of this situation. And so logic wins faith. But he wants us to believe that it is not possible for Jesus to multiply the little that we do have and provide for our situation, but not just ours, but to others around us. So that's the first uh, deception the devil plays uh, on our minds. And uh, it's a tricky one because we have to work that through for ourselves. But I believe the Holy Spirit gives us that faith, that nudge in our hearts when it's of him to, to uh, believe that what Jesus is saying uh, will happen. And it really is so simple that I miss it so often. How do we do that? How do we allow um, faith to overcome logic sometimes in, in our lives? Basically, give Jesus your weakness. That's it. <laughs> give him your weakness. Yeah, there's a bit of pride here that needs to maybe get knocked. And when I'm told, uh, uh, I'm just conscious sometimes that, uh, particularly for us guys, our mess men, we are not terribly good to be being told by others um, that we've got it wrong. And um, so we have to be willing to submit to God. Let us just bring his weakness. So moving on to the second response, uh, enter Philip, the disciple here. And this uh, response is, don't allow our eyes or your eyes to fix on the smallness of your resources. Don't allow your eyes to fix on the smallness of your own resources. In John's account, it says that Jesus said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked them this only to test him for he already had in mind what he was going to do. And Jesus, uh, Philip answered, eight months' wages would not buy enough food for each one to have a bite. His response, actually, was very logical. Uh, he based it on economics and calculations. You know. <laughs> he wouldn't have a calculator, but he could see that there were a lot of people there and there wasn't going to be enough food. So there was nothing wrong with addressing that situation but it was not what Jesus was looking for and it's not what Jesus is looking for in us when he uh, when he, he he stirs us to do something in faith and uh, we look at our own resources which are small um, whichever way you look at it eight months wages eight months salaries is quite a lot of money and that wasn't going to go on the disciples. That was going to be given to others to buy food to feed the others. <clears throat> Again, the enemy of our soul, the devil, wants to play a deception in our hearts because it's easy to fix our eyes on the smallness of our own resources. We tend to do ourselves down. I'm conscious of that myself. 
And the Bible is actually full of men who, fo- who, who focus their eyes more on their smallness of their resources rather than on God's resources. For example, Gideon, in the book of Judges, he says, How can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. Or Moses, uh, in, in the book of Exodus, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? What if they do not believe or listen to me? And then another one, Lord, I've never been eloquent. And another one, oh Lord, please, someone else to do it. Now that's a good one, isn't it? Please send someone else to do it, <laughs> but not me. But thankfully, these, these guys, and there are many others in Scripture, and I identify them with so much myself, where they eventually came to that place of faith over logic and did exploits for God that we read about in Scripture. And that's the thing. God deals with us patiently and graciously. He, he speaks to us in ways. Uh, he knows where we're at. And uh, he will lead us until we're just willing to respond and sense that uh, faith rising in our hearts. And um, it could be this morning that you're being challenged or being God speaking to you about your journey and what's going to happen in the future, maybe this next season. And he's calling you to a, a new journey of faith. And um, we had that. I haven't got time to explain it too much now about when we left this country uh, to move over to Cyprus. Uh, but uh, I've shared that a little bit before. Um, but there comes a time when there's this dialogue between God and yourself and you're working it through. It doesn't happen in a few minutes. It goes on over a period of time. And then the third response was Andrew, another disciple. He said, uh, and this is the message here, don't just think in human terms. And in John's account, it says uh, of Andrew, he said, a youth is here with five barley loaves and two fish. But what good is that to a crowd like that? Again, they didn't think in terms of God's provision. They think again in human terms of logical maths and catering bills. I actually think the disciples were appalled at the thought of how this was going to work out. We're talking about hundreds of pounds, thousands of pounds perhaps, but their focus was on entirely on their need and again, the devil, our adversary, he, um, he does not want uh, us to believe that God can provide the answer to that situation, that, uh, that journey that you're on at the moment, that you feel there is no answer to him. But in fairness to Andrew, he actually goes and sees that this young lad has got his lunchbox and he has got a little bit of food in it. So the fourth response, or the fourth person, is really the hero of the story, is the small boy. We know very little about him other than, Jesus says, how many loaves have you got? He didn't have much, but here's the key to everything I'm saying this morning. What have you got? This is what Jesus would say to me. How many loaves have you got? How many fish have you got? I haven't really got much, Lord. Why are you asking me? Five loaves. You're going to Tesco's tomorrow morning or as to five loaves. What would he do? Keep a family going for a few days? 
Jesus says to us, how many loaves do you have? How many loaves do you have? And Jesus takes the bread and the fish. He gives thanks, blesses it, and begins to break it up. And to give to the disciples, we haven't got time to go into all the meaning of, of that, but it is rich in, in truth for us. I don't know what went through the disciples' minds when these when this bread and fish was, was given to Jesus. But you know what? Jesus wants the glory for himself. He doesn't want us to have any glory. We want to have, we want to have the recognition. We want to have the glory. We want that acceptance. Nothing necessarily wrong with that. But God will not give his glory to anyone else. He wants the glory. So he will, his glory will be seen in your weakness his glory will be seen in your five loaves and two fish. How can it be, Lord? It's too big. Um, I've got this 5,000 moment, if I can put it that way. <laughs> 5,000 moment, Lord, you don't understand. But he would say, how many loaves have you got? Are we willing to just accept that challenge? I want to ask this morning, what are your five loaves and two fish? What are the five loaves and two fish that you can bring to Jesus? What are your five loaves and two fish that you can give to Jesus to give thanks for? The little that you have. Have you thought about giving thanks for the little things that you have got? The little abilities, the skills, the, the, uh, yeah, the, skills, the abilities uh, that you have got. Let him bless those five loaves and two fish that you have. Let him break them. And that often means that he has to break us a bit as well. <laughs> but that's not a bad thing. Because he will feed that 5,000 situation that you're in. What was the result of this? In verses 43 uh, and 44, and they ate... And we're all satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken bread and fish. Everyone was filled to the full. There were 12 doggy bags full of food afterwards. Again, 12 potentially is a very significant number in the Bible. We haven't got time to go into that. But I believe there's, there's a lot of truth in that. There's enough to cover every person. In John's account, it says, gather the pieces together that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. Let nothing be wasted. So, I just want to say, yeah, what are your five loaves and two fish? They're not wasted. <laughs> you are in the situation where you're in today. You are here in Hatfield or Welling, uh, St. Albans, um, you are here because God has placed you here. That is where you are. And you each have, we all have that. Nothing is wasted in God's economy. He can use it for his glory to demonstrate his strength in your weakness. To my shame, I've too often thought about my own lack of resources complaining about the situation and I do not think in terms of God's provision 
three of the weapons the devil uses to deceive us. just want to share one story to finish with. And then I'm not quite sure what's going to happen with Lizzie after that, but we'll see. <laughs> um, I was thinking about this story about how to, to, to uh, these five loaves and two fishes, how we can apply that today in a modern setting. Now, this story won't apply in Hatfield or Welling Garden City or St Albans because we do not live by the sea. But near, um, it must have been 15, 16, 17 years ago, we were living in Cyprus and there was a war on in the Middle East and there were many thousands of people coming over in ships and were docking in Larnaca port. And two ladies in the church, I might have told this story, forgive me if you've heard this story before, but it, it, there's a principle involved. Two ladies um, from one of the villages surrounding the town took some wet wipes to the ship, to the port, to give to each of the refugees as they came off the ship. And uh, we got to hear about this, and uh, we didn't know what, we didn't know how to handle it. <laughs> how do you handle, you know, a lot of people, hundreds of people coming off? And I appreciate there were uh, authorities in place that were helping in the situation. But nonetheless, these two ladies, they saw an opportunity. And so we thought, we prayed about it, and others got involved. And one of the offshoots of it was that we started to open up our church building, and a lot of these people got nowhere else to go. They'd come with probably maybe not even a suitcase of, of things, fleeing from a, a war torn country. And um, so we opened up the building. We didn't know what we were doing. We, we've, you know, it, was, it was just too big for us to, to handle. But over the period of time, we realised that each person could actually do something. So we remember saying one Sunday, look, go back into to your homes, look in your wardrobes, look in your cupboards, and, and let's bring next Sunday what, what you've got that you're not using, and let's give it to these folk. And so there's lots of stories about people um, who, who realised that um, they didn't know why we were doing this, but it was the love of Jesus compelling us to do something. We, again, we didn't fully appreciate what was happening. Um, but this week, I was just looking, uh, looking to see whether this charity, but actually it got big because it, well, it was too big for one. It was too big for us as a church to deal with. Um, the demands were too big, so we got others from other churches uh, to help. But that venture of faith started with two people taking wet wipes to the port of Larnaca. Um, it's still continuing today, almost 20 years roughly after it started. And it's called Oasis, and this is what their website says. I've only looked at it this week. Oasis started as one church's response to the biblical command to, quote, this is Leviticus 19, 33 and 34, not to mistreat the foreigners in your land, but to treat them as one born among you and to love them as yourselves. That was our, uh, that, that's what developed from, um, uh, for, from what these two ladies did. And now there are, there are five churches uh, who are supporting this ministry. 
uh, and helping refugees who are still coming uh, from the Middle East and other places uh, into Cyprus. And uh, it says on the website that hundreds of refugees enter their doors every week. Lives have been transformed as they demonstrate God's love and offer this hope to those who come through their doors. If I may suggest, this is one example. And it, uh, you might think, well, we can't do that here. But I'm trying to give you an example of how two ladies, two, five loaves and two fish worked out. Now, they didn't think in that terms. We didn't think of it in terms of being a miracle. But looking back on it, we can see how God multiplied out. And so uh, I just want to stir your faith today. And, okay, that didn't happen all over one, night, one day, like one evening, when, like when Jesus gave, um, blessed the, the five loaves and two fish and gave it to the disciples to give everyone else. Sometimes there are miraculous interventions the same day, but other times it may take time. It may just be an onward calling of God on your life to do, to do something. And it's, it begins, when you look back on it, you can say, wow, actually God did just use the little that I had. Um, you know, we're all on the same, well, I've used this expression before, the same level playing field, aren't we? Yeah. Um, we're all, we're all on, at that level. No one's here and the next one down. No, no, no. We're all here because of the grace of God. Now, I don't know what God's speaking to you in, in, in your life right now, but if there are these 5,000 moments in a situation in your life now, I'd just like to, to pray. Um, I'm not quite sure what's going to happen. But maybe we could just uh, stand, if you can, and let's just... Uh, um, let's just see what God will do amongst us for a few minutes. Holy Spirit, we offer our lives to you afresh. Lord, I'm conscious that it's so easy for me just to stand here and to say these words. And I don't know what your situations are. As a church, we have many challenges, but God is able to use what we have Maybe you think, actually, you've got more than five loaves and two fish. That's fine. <laughs> but each one is valuable to God. Each contribution, each person here has got a contribution to make to the whole. Whether you're a visitor, whether you're here or just looking in, each one of you, if you're a believer in Jesus, you have something to bring to the table for Jesus. And when we come in our uh, humility, when we come in our weakness, Lord, we just say to you, will you use that? I don't want to know what, particularly what people's situations are, because the Holy Spirit knows. And Holy Spirit, I just pray that you will break in to these situations and that if that is you, that you will just quietly offer yourself in your weakness to Jesus again. 
today. Let him do the miracles. Let him do the mighty things. All these names of Jesus that we've been declaring to one another this morning in song and in worship. Lord, you are these things for us. You are our provider. You are our healer. You are our miracle worker. You are our, uh, you are our promise keeper. You are the Prince of Peace. And Lord, I just pray that, that, that one, the Prince of Peace over people this morning. You are the, the Prince of Peace. Allow your peace, Lord Jesus, to fill our hearts. I pray for those in work situations, those who are in hospitals, um, those who are in uh, education, those who are in social work. I pray for everyone who's, who interacts with different people in their day-to-day -day lives. Lord, I just want to pray that there would be a multiplication of your provision to those around their work colleagues this week in some way. Lord, I know there's so many rules and regulations in this nation, uh, but Lord, you are above these situations. And we ask, Lord, I pray for everyone who's in a work situation that you would give each person grace and wisdom and the right words to speak to give people a sense of hope this week in, in one way or another. And Lord, if you're stirring us to, to, to step out in faith in a new venture, or you're feeling, sensing that God is, 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 is stirring you to be something more than you feel able to be, then Lord, we just pray that you will just come and reassure those people whether this is of you or not. Oh, thank you, Lord. Just pray for your healing, Lord, just to your physical healing, and for emotional healing, and for maybe mental anguish. Lord, you are able. You are able, Lord. Lord, we pour out our hearts to you this morning. We offer you afresh our lives. Lord, as we enter, we'll soon be entering into uh, a new term of, of things, Lord, of, of uh, uh, getting um, school starting, everything, holidays over. Lord, we just pray that you will lead us as your church into all that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen.